Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to worship and to praise you. You alone are worthy of our praise. We celebrate tonight. Hosanna in the highest. Lord Jesus Christ, we honor you. We thank you for victory that you give us in life. We thank you for the joy of salvation. We thank you for your grace and mercy shown to us. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who've led us in worship tonight. Bless them and thank you for their time to bring us uh, to this time of singing praise and giving thanks with our lips and now having the opportunity to open the Word of God together. And we thank you for the privilege of that. We pray that tonight the Holy Spirit of God would be our teacher and that we would truly hear what you have to say to us tonight. We pause now. We pray that you might... uh, We present before you the person that is on our minds tonight as we come here, some in sickness, some in other needs, some in other distresses, others in joy and victory, whatever whatever condition they may be in, some saved, some lost. We come as your people tonight. We present these to you in their condition. We know that you... We know that you can solve and deal with all of the issues in their lives, and we pray your great mercy upon them, and that you would show yourself strong in their lives so that they might live their lives to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for this uh, church, and we pray for all the ministries that go on, even tonight, all of our boys and girls as they meet to learn the Word of God and to hear about the Lord Jesus, and for our students as they are together and the various adult Bible studies, including this one that go on tonight. So we're thankful, Lord, for the chance that we have as a church to do and, and accomplish what you have for us here. So, Lord, it is good to be together, good to be together, and it's good for us to have fellowship around your word. So we thank you now for this time. And those who join us who cannot be with us, who join us electronically, a good number each week who join us. We pray your blessing on them. We miss their presence, but we are glad that they are with us in spirit, and we pray your grace and mercy upon their lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here tonight. And if you have your Bibles, find your place in the book of Philippians. Uh, I'm going to turn this. The book of Philippians. Philippians, we've been looking through this book together. What a joyful book it is. And I mentioned, I also need to mention to you the choir will be moving into the uh, worship center here next, uh, starting next week through the month of April. And so we'll move just uh, down the hall to the choir room. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone will be able to, uh, we'll try to accommodate everyone, but it's just down the hall to the left and just right there on the left side. We'll have a sign up, make sure that you know about that. So beginning next uh, Wednesday night, we'll do that. Philippians is such a joyful book, and we learn from the book of Philippians what it means to live a life of confidence and victory in Jesus Christ. We learn from Paul what it means to have godly contentment and to walk by faith and to live in joy regardless of your circumstances, that sounds like something all of us need. Regardless of your age and regardless of the situations you find yourself in. 
So tonight we'll be looking specifically at uh, Philippians 1, verses 21 through 26. But I'm going to go back because I want us to uh, read these joyful words uh, from Paul the Apostle. And they'll be an encouragement to you tonight. Again, there's nothing more contagious, there's nothing more encouraging, there's nothing more strengthening than to be around a confident Christian. There's nothing more miserable than to be around a complaining Christian. So you can apply that however it meets your circumstance. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then we come to our focus for tonight. These very famous words, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. 
Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you, continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you always take these words and bring them to life in our minds and you remove the distractions from us. We bring our thoughts now captive to the obedience of Christ so that we might glorify God in our bodies in this short time we live on this earth. And I pray, pray this for all my brothers and sisters who are here tonight and listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just look again at some of these great confident words of, of encouragement. Uh, oh, how I pray that in our church, you and I would be able to say what Paul says about his feelings for other Christians. Did you see it there? Chapter 1, verse 8. Interesting way he says it. God is my witness. God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Oh, that we in our church would have the affectionate love of Jesus Christ for one another. That the love of Jesus Christ would come out of us in our words and in our expressions and in our ministry. God is the witness whether or not we love others as Jesus Christ has loved us. He's confident in verse 6, as we've seen before, that what God had started in his life, he would finish. And that's true for all of us who are here tonight. Not only the, not only the, uh, the fact that they were participating in the gospel, God's going to finish the work of what he was doing in that church, but also salvation in their personal lives. Uh, this very thing is his confidence that the one who begins a good work in us, he who began a good work in you, will perfect it until Christ comes. He points out a couple of things that are going to be true until Jesus comes. That's one of them. Number one, God's going to continue to work in the church until Jesus comes. He's going to continue to work in our lives. The, the Lord may come during our own lifetime. We pray, come Lord Jesus, as I appreciate that was sung tonight, uh, remind us of the coming of the Lord. But then he also says uh, in his prayer for them in verses 9 and 10, uh, this I pray that your, and we've talked about this in detail, that your love may abound still more. Love for God, love for, love for Christ, love for others. And that you may gain a real knowledge and discernment of all the things so that you approve of the things that are excellent. I hope that tonight in your life you are approving of things that are excellent. That means you're participating, look, you're living for excellent things, not for pitiful things. This is such a distressing thing when you see it in the lives of Christians who, who are caught up in vanity again. Uh, who are caught up in chasing the wind. Who are caught up in empty things that don't matter. And those are my younger brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. The sooner, the sooner you stop chasing the wind and you pursue godliness. And you seek to follow Jesus Christ. And approve of things, verse 10, that are excellent then you know what will happen? It will produce, verse 10, sincerity and blamelessness in your life until Jesus comes again or you die and go to be with the Lord. And that you'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's what, that's what, this is what 
has to, this is what's supposed to happen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this wonderful, all of this wonderful work he prays for comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Then he goes on and talks about what we talked about in detail last week. That God was using his circumstances and whatever his circumstances were, they were going to turn out for good. I hope you can say that tonight. Whatever news you may get. Look, before you, before you die and go to be with the Lord, you're going to get all kinds of news in your life. And it's going to be a mixture of good and bad. And some things are going to make you very sad and some things are going to make you very glad. But Paul teaches us here the importance of living by faith. This is, this is his, his, his whole letter is written in order to encourage these Christians. And here we are these many, many years later being encouraged by these same wonderful Holy Spirit-inspired words. My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Can you say that? I hope you can. If you're living by faith and walking with God, you can say that regardless of what you're going through or what you've been through. See, this is sometimes it. Well, why did this happen in my life? Well, part of it is because of my decisions and choices. And when I sin, I get into circumstances, but oh, how wonderful it is that God takes the, the, the bad that we've done in our life and the things that happen around us in our world, and He brings good out of them. They've turned out, they've turned out for the greater progress, please notice, not of my happiness, but for the gospel. <clears throat> Gospel-centered living. Gospel-focused lives. This is the way God intends for all of His people, not just preachers, not just missionaries, not just church leaders. This is your task and mine. We are to advance the gospel individually. You must share Jesus Christ with your friends and neighbors. And I've said it to you, and I'll repeat it, to your children and to your grandchildren. That responsibility is not left to someone else. It's left to us. If I find myself surrounded by those who need Jesus Christ, I'm going to speak up for the progress of the gospel. And then he goes through this entire uh, description in these words. But I want to come now to uh, verse number uh, 19 and 20, because unless you read 19 and 20, uh, you really don't see the connection to verse 21, which is a perhaps one of the most famous verses in all of the book of Philippians, and one that most of you tonight, knowing you, uh, you've memorized. Paul says again, for I know, look at these confident words, verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Well, the deliverance that he's praying for and asking God for is out of prison so that he might carry on his work through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He, he knows that these things are going to turn out. The preaching of, the, of, of, of Jesus Christ and the cross is going on, uh, and it's wonderful, and it's growing, and it's expanding, and there are many people who are hearing these things, and God's people are speaking the truth, because when someone else, when we see God doing this work in someone else's life, it encourages us to do the same. And so he says here, according to my, or now he changes this, to an earnest expectation and hope. 
Now, before I go into the detail of this, let me ask you this question. What kind of expectations do you come here tonight with? Are they worldly-based expectations? Are they, are, they, are they expectations based on your own works and your own abilities? What are your expectations for the remainder of your life, how long it may be? Well, Paul describes and shows us these, and, and I'm, wanting, I'm moving into what I'll really talk about in detail here, this whole matter of spiritual desire. This is what I'm really going to spend my time on in uh, verses 21 uh, down through verse 26. I'm going to talk to you about spiritual desire. This is a little strange to us. We understand fleshly desire very well. We understand you know, physical and fleshly passion, but desire from God, spiritual desire that comes from your walk with God and you being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I believe as your pastor that uh, this is not as well known to us. Paul's going to be our teacher tonight and help us Consider and think about our spiritual desires. But before we get to that, notice this language here. He says, I know that everything's going to turn out for my deliverance from prison, my circumstances, as he says, in order that the gospel will be advanced through my life according to my earnest expectation and hope. Earnest expectation and hope, they go together. Expectations are based on our hope in what God will do. That I will not be put to shame in anything. There's his first uh, earnest expectation and hope. He'll not be put to shame in anything. Whether he's in prison, whether he's free, uh, whether he has, as he'll talk about later, the famous passages we know about, about contentment, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, here we see it. I won't be put to shame in anything. That, but that with all boldness, Christ will, please notice these words now, even now, as always. Christ, even now, as always, will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So that means to all of you, as well as myself, it, is the, it, it ought to be our earnest expectation that God would take us and glorify Himself in our bodies as long as we live and even when we die. Then we find this great word. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So tonight, I, the focal truth around this, if you're looking at the notes, is this, that believers live for Christ in this world and die to be with Christ. Sounds rather simple, but it, it provides for us the focus of life. Now I have a Christ life. This is important for us to think about tonight. If we say that we're followers of Jesus Christ, then I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. I am crucified 
with Christ, nevertheless, I live. I live a Christ-filled life. Well, you see, this is important for us to see and think about tonight in some detail. And I want to introduce to you something that's very interesting here because in verse number 21, you actually have what I call the biblical principle of spiritual desire both on earth, for earth and for heaven. I call it desiring the two betters that make the best. Now, you're going to have to stay with me tonight. You listen to me. There are actually two parts of spiritual desire. There's earthly spiritual desire, and then there is desire for, there's heavenly spiritual desire. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ tonight, you must examine yourself. Do we like either part of this, or is this true for you? You fill it in, my Christian friend. For me to live is my job. And to die is a distraction. For me to live is my family. And to die is sad separation. For me to live is money. And to die is to lose the opportunity to make more. You see, all of us in this room are living and dying for something. Every one of us. But those who are followers of Jesus Christ who live the crucified life, look, you must determine tonight where... I, I, uh, maybe I'm getting old and I just get impatient. You know, have you ever noticed that old people are just grouchy all the time? I'm not going to mention any of my friends in here who, who suffer from the same problem. But, but it's not enough for me just to read God's Word and say, oh, yeah, that's some very interesting things. And I'm trying to challenge you to apply to your life. Bring the Word of God here as a mirror tonight and ask yourself, what do you answer in verse 21? For me to live is happiness, pleasure. And to die is fear. Paul said... As a man who desired nothing but Christ and Him crucified. As a man who understood what it meant to live the crucified life. That means you crucify. If anyone chooses to follow me, the Lord Jesus said, you must deny yourself, number one. Take up your cross and follow me. Following Jesus Christ is a very serious matter. In fact, your eternity depends on it. Whether at the end of the day when all is said and done and you face death, will you face it with fear? Will you face it with confidence and joy and victory? For me to live, here's confidence, is Christ. And to die is gain. It is living the principle of desiring two betters that make the best. The two betters of life, they make the best. The first better, to live, is Christ. The second better is to die as gain. We think about these things and we, we recognize that first, he says, to live is Christ. That is, Christ is my life. What is your life filled with tonight, my Christian friend? 
I'm speaking to you as brothers and sisters in Christ, assuming that you know the Lord Jesus and you're saved. You're not just a religious Baptist. Religious Baptists go to hell. Unless you're saved, you won't, you won't meet the Lord Jesus, and you really don't care about spiritual things. For to me, to live is Christ. Christ fills my life. To, to live is Christ, that is, my life is made up of Christ. To live is Christ, that is, my life is full of Christ. Christ is the principle of my life. I live from His fullness. Christ is the reason for my life, the purpose for my life. Whatever I do for a living is secondary. You are first and foremost a child of God. You're born again. You're a believer. You're declared righteous. You're justified by your faith in Jesus Christ, declared righteous, and the work of God is going on in your life to sanctify you and make you holy so that you might, so that you might enjoy glorification. Christ is the joy of my life. I live in the joy of Christ, and I'm united to Christ. My union with Jesus Christ takes place in this world as I'm saved and goes with me all the way, praise God, when my body lays in the ground until the coming of the Lord and my spirit is united with God in heaven, I am still united to Christ. My life is hid in Christ. Paul talks about this reality of living in the world by faith and setting our mind in heaven. This isn't a matter for old people who don't have anything else to do. This is something, if you, and I know some of you in here have children, you, you need to teach your children how to live for Jesus in the world and think about heaven every day. That's the Christian life. It is the desiring, as I've said on Sunday mornings, I'm repeating myself, part of it is my old age, part of it is because I need you to hear it, because you probably didn't hear it the first time. To die is gain. When I talk to some people about death, they think it's depressing. They, they think it's really sad. They act as if heaven is here, not there. They act as if everything here is better than it's going to be there. It's a lack of understanding of the Word of God. To die is gain. Death is the great gain of the believer's life. On earth we count the losses we suffer for Christ. Listen to me. On earth we count the losses we suffer for Christ, but there is no way to count the gains that come at our death. Death is the daybreak of eternity, my friends. Death... <laughs> The, the gain of death is you don't have to fool with sin anymore. Death and the gain of it is seeing God and experiencing unbroken enjoyment and the full pleasure of knowing God forever. These are glorious things and I am inadequate because I walk on this side of death just like you do. But Paul practices the desire of two betters that make the best. First, living for Christ in this world. Second, longing to be with Christ in heaven. You know, for you to long to be in heaven doesn't mean you're being disloyal to your husband or wife. To long for heaven doesn't mean you're being irresponsible to take care of your children. 
To be longing uh, to be with Christ in heaven doesn't mean that you're shirking your duties as a follower of Jesus. Oh, in fact, we learn from Paul here, he's caught between two betters that make the best. He has, con- he has conflicting spiritual desires. What a wonderful thing. Generally, our conflicts over our flesh and our battles with lust and ungodliness and covetousness and all the rest. Here we see this man of God who says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But notice these observations now. First, he expresses his satisfaction in living or dying in Jesus Christ. Secondly, Paul expresses his confidence that God will produce a life of fruitful labor for the gospel in his continued life on earth. How does he say it? But if I am to live on, if I'm to live on in the flesh, to live, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. I've mentioned my good friend, that uh, Bill, who just recently went to be with the Lord uh, and had opportunity to labor with him in the gospel and other places and other ministry opportunities. And to see now the responses of so many, uh, literally from around the world, Bill spent a lot of his time doing some tremendous mission things uh, in Africa and other places, the fruit of his life. The fruit of his life. People speaking about coming to Christ through his work. People speaking about how he trained and discipled them and prayed with them. This isn't just a preacher thing. This is what you're to do as a follower of Jesus. We're to go and make disciples. It didn't say, by the way, get the preachers and deacons to go make disciples. That's not what we've been instructed to do. All of us must go and make disciples. And it's our job here at this church to equip you so you can do it. And if we don't do that, we'll have to answer to God for not doing it in the proper way. So Paul says he expresses confidence that God will produce a life of fruitfulness. I ask you tonight, is there fruit coming from your spiritual life? Is there fruit that's produced? Well, I just come to church because I, I need to be taught. That's good. And you become a doer of the Word, not just a hearer. This isn't like school. This is a matter of coming and receiving the Word of God as it's preached and taught and as we read it and as we spend time with God so that our lives show fruit. Abide in me and I in you, the Lord Jesus said, and you will bear much fruit. I'm asking you tonight, are you barren in your Christian life or are you fruitful? Well, Pastor Mike, I'm going to later. No, right now. Right now. Are you barren or are you fruitful? Well, this becomes an important point. Paul says, praise God, if I continue on in the flesh, it means fruitful labor. By the way, fruitful labor. He's going to work and labor for the Lord, but there's going to be fruitfulness in his labor. And I do not know which to choose. Now he's opening up and he's being transparent. Paul also teaches us how to be open with others about how we're feeling in our soul. You know the old Methodists used to start their meetings, their gatherings, their little small groups. They would ask each other this question, how is your soul? Well, how's your soul tonight? How's your soul? He says, I don't know what to choose He says, verse 23, here it is, I am hard-pressed, 
This word hard-pressed is a word that means that I am, I am pushed from two sides. It, it's sometimes a word we would use for stress, pressure. He says, I feel pressure from both directions, verse 23, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Just a little footnote, if we're reading this in the Greek language, the word depart is actually a uh, navigational word. It's a word for lifting the anchor. That's what it is when you die and go to be with the Lord. The anchor in this world's lifted and you move victoriously on to heaven. He says, having a desire, having the desire, the desire. This is one of those betters. The first better is 22. This desire to be fruitful in labor in the flesh for Christ and for the gospel. Second, this desire to be with Christ, that is much better. Yet, to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Paul expresses his conflict in desires for living or dying for Christ. His mind is disturbed from each side. Paul expresses his longing in ministry for others to continue on in life. You see, Paul's focus is first Christ, listen to me, and then other people. This is the battle. This is the battle, my brothers and sisters, that we have because we're so self-centered. He says, I want to continue to live for you. When I talk to some people when they're sick and they want to get well, it's so that they can do what they want to do. It seems that this, this whole, it's a remote idea that you're saved to live your life for God and that your focus becomes the Lord Jesus Christ in everything you do, whether you're a mother, whether in you're being a wife, or whether you're a husband or a father, or whatever you find yourself, whatever your task and job may be. A Christ-filled life is a life first focused on for me to live as Christ and then for others. For others, for the progress of the gospel and for others. Look at this wonderful language again. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. I mean, there are some Christians who really have a guilt about thinking about going to heaven. That, that fascinates me. That is such a misunderstanding of being who you are in Christ. This is why Paul continues, and I, like a broken record, I, I continue to come to these words for you to remind you, Colossians 3, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. This is Colossians 3, 2. And not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are on earth, but also in heaven in Christ. This is the mystery of it. The two betters make the best. I am in Christ here, and I live for Christ here, and I am in Christ in heaven, and my life is hidden with Christ. And as Paul goes on to say, in this dual way of thinking, he says in Colossians 3, 4, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with Him in glory. 
What an astounding truth. Paul expresses in his life a longing not only to go be with the Lord, but a longing in ministry for others to continue on in life. Lord, it's like this, Lord, if you keep me here, let me be fruitful in ministry. Boy, how how I wish every member of this church could pray and would pray that prayer. So are you fruitful or are you barren? What are your spiritual desires like tonight? Well, Pastor Mike, my desires, I just want God to make me happy. You want God to make you happy. Living below the joy of the desire, the spiritual desires that are ours. Yet, 24, to remain in the flesh is necessary for your sake. So, 25, he's convinced. He's now convinced that he will remain alive to continue his ministry for the gospel. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for, notice, your progress and joy in the faith. There is nothing, listen, whether it's your children and all of us who are older, the great joy of my life was to see both of my children come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, two of my grandchildren already to come to know Christ. The little one's only a year and a half. I think he's going to preach. He's got all the, he's got all the makings of it. But God's going to have to grind him down first and save him first. But my point is, there's nothing more joyful than to labor and share the gospel and see the progress and joy in people's lives as they come alive in Jesus Christ. That'll make you excited in your life. And the reason why some of us are so miserable, you haven't seen anybody repent of sin or get right with God, and you've not done anything to assist them in their progress in growing in Jesus Christ. That's your job. That's your job as a follower of Jesus. Paul says, I am am convinced that I'm going to remain and I'm going to continue so that I might encourage, develop, disciple, and see your progress and joy in the faith. So that, 26, this is, what a great word this is. So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Is Paul being conceited here? So that you'll be all about me? No. He's saying, so that you'll see the way I have lived, and there'll be, this is a great phrase, 26, proud confidence in me, that it may abound in Christ Jesus. You know what it is? It's what the Lord Jesus said. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Paul sees the benefit of remaining in ministry so that as Christ is glorified in his life, encouragement will come to the church. Well, what do we need to remember tonight? I'll be be brief here. First of all, believers should practice the principle of desiring two betters that make the best. You need to go home tonight and ask yourself, am I really saying this in my life? Am I living by this, this truth for me to live as Christ? 
and to die is gain. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.9, Therefore we have it as our ambition. A lot of us have ambitions in here. We're ambitious. What are you ambitious about spiritually, whether at home or absent? Here's my ambition. I want to please God while I'm on this earth. I want to please God as I follow Jesus. Secondly, believers have a present ministry in the world and a promised rest in Christ in heaven. We work now, we rest later. We work now. A lot of of believers, it seems like to me, have all sat down. Why are we sitting down? It's time to work. Oh, I remember this old song. I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. Man, we sang that a lot when I was growing up. Present ministries laboring in the gospel. Counting our losses and struggles and yet knowing that living is Christ. Dying is gain. Promise rest and pleasure and joy and victory and glorification. Believers thirdly have earthly desires to glorify God in their life. I'll just read, uh, I've, I've given it to you in the outline. If you have it, you can read it with me. I've outlined for you Colossians 3, 8, 16, 8, 8 through 17. I'll just read it. Listen to what Paul says. Rid your, so what do I do? What do I do in order that my earthly desires will glorify God? Well, listen, listen carefully. This is very practical. Rid yourself of anger. Get rid of it. You've been angry long enough. Wrath, get rid of it. Malice, get rid of it. Slander, get rid of it. Obscene speech, rid yourself of it. These emotions that are sinful and this language that is ungodly, do not lie to one another since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices. And you have put on the new self. That's you. You're in Christ. You now live in Christ. And so... You have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Christ is all in all. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And then he sums it up, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Fourth, believers have a heavenly desire to be with Jesus Christ in glory, united to Him. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, We are of good courage, I say, and prefer, here's our preference, to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. The better, the two betters make the best. The two betters make the best. When I've got the better to live for Christ here, and I've got the better to die as gain, I have the best. Believers know that God sets the days of their earthly life in which they live to glorify Christ. This is Paul's point in verse 20. Be, uh, so always that Christ may be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So my friends say, why did my friend Bill die? You know, at what seems to be a fairly uh, young age, 60 years old. 
Well, his time was up. And one day my time will be up. And one day your time will be up. No technology is going to change that, regardless of what the world says. Your time will come. What will you do with the remainder of your days for the glory of God? I'm not asking what you will do for yourself. My dear brothers and sisters, what will you do with the remainder of your days to glorify God in words and deeds? Believers know that it is better in this life to live for Christ on earth. Believers know that it is better at death to be in heaven with Christ forever. I live for Christ. I die and I gain. So what do we do? Well, examine your desires tonight. You who are listening to us, I love you in Jesus, but what are you desiring? What do you desire? Do you desire the two betters that make the best? As I started, I ask you again, fill in the blank. If you're here with your spouse, go home and talk about it. For me to live is what? Well, the way you're living is demonstrating what the answer is. For me to live is, and to die is, what kind of earthly desires do you have? What kind of heavenly desires do you have? Oh, may we learn the contentment, the joy, the hope, the victory that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul's words to us. He is like our older brother in the faith. What a joy we have to have these precious words given to us and how they are in, truly have been inspired and given to Paul by, the, by God, by the Holy Spirit, holy inspired words for me to live as Christ and die as gain. You only know if that is really true when I say it. You only know. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God may take this truth for all of my friends who are here tonight, who are listening, may they truly examine their spiritual desires. May they, des may they look at what they desire on this earth. And may they look and even ask if they have a desire for heaven and what it would be. Thoroughly, thoroughly examine us. And as we come to this week and as we approach uh, on this Passion Week, your final sacrifice for sin, the finished work that you have accomplished for us. And as we gather as a church tomorrow night to remember uh, the dreadful day, the dreadful times that came before the joy and the eternal victory that we have in Christ. May we examine ourselves and remember that you died for our sins and many of those, many, many, of, many times we have not thought about the sinfulness of our sin, the shame of it, that we would do it to your face. 
that we would yield to, to live in such ways that dishonor you. But we ask that you would forgive us and that you might grant to us mercy and grace. And we thank you for this time to read your word. And may we say, for the remainder of our days, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. Again, I want to invite you tomorrow night. We'll be here. Um, I can't remember what time. Seven o'clock, right? Okay. I better not be late. Seven o'clock. I thought it was like six o'clock. All right. God bless you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. Hope you can join us tomorrow night. Have a great week. See you Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, at the Three Crosses sunrise service at, is it 6.30? Is it? 6.30. What's that? Sounds good. All right, look, it's going to be sunshine. I don't want anybody to give me a forecast. I've already looked at it. Just put on your coat and come down there. All right? Behave yourselves. Have a good week.